Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Welcome to the More Perfect Union, the podcast that offers real debate without the hate. From the right side of the political spectrum, we have... DJ McGuire, a progressive conservative from Suffolk, Virginia. Warning, I'm doing this episode sober. Ooh, okay, well, Ooh. that's our show for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> and from the left side, we have... Greg Matuzak, a common sense liberal who is not optimistic about the border deal. I think I'm the only one from Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> and I am Rebecca Kushmeider, a progressive feminist waiting for our second consecutive night of ice here in Kensington, Maryland. And I'm Kevin Kelton, a passionate moderate living in Los Angeles, California. And we are joined tonight by a good friend of mine, Ward Anderson, Stand-up comedian par extraordinaire, Ward, hi. Hello, I am Ward Anderson, comedian who is exiled in Canada. <laughs> I don't think exile is the right word. I think it's like your reward for for, uh, <laughs> for surviving 2018 or something. <clears throat> Touche. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk more about uh, Ward and, and what's going on with him in a minute. We want to remind our audience, our website is moreperfectunionpodcast.com, and we'd love you to go there and check out uh, some of our commentaries that we write, and also host bios. Also, if you go to iTunes and can give us a star rating and post a review, we would really appreciate that. And check out our Instagram page, MPU Fan Club. It's got dots in the middle, so it's mpu.fan.club. Check us out on Instagram. We post lots of fun pictures there. So, Ward, welcome back. You've done the show once before. You know the lay of the land. Indeed. Thanks for having me. And I understand that you've got some kind of exciting stuff in your particular future. What's going on with you? Oh, well, I have a comedy special that's going to be coming out this summer. Where it's going to wind up is uh, to be announced, but it will be available on iTunes, on Amazon, places like that. I'm just waiting to see where the final deal is, but it's called Kind of Sort of Grown Up, and it comes out this summer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sounds exactly by speed. <laughs> and I've actually seen a preview of it. It's, it's pretty damn funny. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. You know what's not funny? The, the, the ongoing negotiations for a, a a government budget, which apparently you can only have a budget if there's a border wall or if there's a fight over a border wall. Like they've never done this in the 233-odd years that the country's been around, and I know I bastardized that number. They've never been able to do this before without discussing a border wall and having a big fight over it. Well, the latest alert I got said that the the conference committee has reached an agreement in principle to fund border security plus the other 11 agencies that need a continuing resolution to continue to operate. There's no word what's in the agreement in principle, and there's no word if the principal disagreement, namely Donald Trump, is going to sign it or not. Right. When you're talking about something in principle, that doesn't seem to go with Donald Trump. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> 
oh, this is this is just so vague. And 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 the worst part about this vagueness is there are at least what eight hundred thousand people's lives, jobs, and money on the line here. You know, get it together. Well, the flight attendants union is saying they will not go to work in the event of another shutdown because they felt that safety was compromised during the last one and they're just not going to mess with it. So airline travel could be affected on day one if we go to another shutdown. So that's a pretty significant threat. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. I can't believe that there, there'll be another shutdown. I mean, if some if one side has to back down, one side will back down, but I, they're just not going to do it again. I think that finally, Democrats have started to learn something, which has taken them a long time to learn, which is it is actually possible to say no. And I think that one of my biggest gripes with uh, with Democrats is that they're always, as much as we've seen people often complain they don't do this, they often do take the high road and compromise where, where they often shouldn't, and then also buckle where they don't need to. I'm glad to finally see them having some stones and going, you know, we'll just say no. And they've begun to realize that they're not looked at by the general public as the bad guys in this thing. That's a rare thing for Democrats. I think one of the hardest things I've always had to to deal with when it came to that party is that they always seem to want to appease voters they're never going to get. Right. I, I think they're often trying to convert that conservative out there that they go, hey, you know what, if we if we act like Republican light, they're going to come over to us and they're never going to come over to them. And I think that now maybe they're starting to wise up to that a little bit. Well, they've also been they, they've been going after the wrong Republican voter or the wrong conservative voter. They keep trying to go after the cultural conservative voters, the racially conservative voters. And yes, I'm being euphemistic when I say that term. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. Yeah. Where it. Where it has been the the folks who are conservative on foreign policy and on some economic policies who are actually more likely to cross over as as I would say millions of them did in 2018 and say, no, we are not voting for this dumpster fire. We are <laughs> voting for the fire department right the hell now. Uh, and I think on this matter, the Democrats have done a very good job of actually being the fire department and saying, look – we want the government to run, but we're not going to throw up a gigantic concrete edifice to this man's ego and waste a bunch of money in the process. And they have exposed the entire Republican Party and the entire what was left of the conservative movement that's still over there, which was supposed to be about limiting government, which was supposed to be about reducing spending. They have all essentially fallen on their swords for a $6 billion boondoggle, the kind of white elephant, to use the old phrase, that they would have railed against if any Democrat even thought about it. So yes, this was, and, and I don't know what's in this deal. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if Trump walked away from it and pulled an Article 48 moment. Um, but yes, yes, Ward, you're absolutely right. The Democrats have figured out that there are some fights where, that you can win, and uh, they have been winning this one. Yeah. Okay, so changing uh, topics, I have a little question for you guys. We'll see who buzzes in first. Think of this as a little game show. Buzz. Ready? (laughs) You probably know the answer, too, but I'm still going to ask the question. Spiro Agnew. Spiro Agnew. Okay. It's always Spiro Agnew. It's true. What do Senators Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, Attorney General of Virginia Mark Herron, and Congressperson Ilhan Omar, what do they all have in common? They're all running for president? (laughs) (laughs) 
None of them are Spiro Agnew. They've all had to apologize publicly in the last seven days. I call it Apology Palooza. This country loves its apologies. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> is it that they've had to apology apologize, or is it that we're finally just you know that they've done dumb things and that we're holding politicians accountable? That too. That too. Yeah. And last I, last I checked, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax has not actually apologized for anything. That's he true. Is insistent that he he is innocent and his. The the two women who accuse him of sexual assault are well he hasn't he he hasn't actually said anything particular about them. He's just insisting that he that he is innocent. Uh, so he has not actually true. apologized. Well, that's but correct. he's I just read that he's shedding staff. Like he's he's lost three or four staff this is true. today. Yes. So that's staff, not a good sign when when your district and state staff are running away from you. That's not an indication that you have a whole lot of longevity um, going for you. I do also want to say, you said we're holding politicians accountable. I think we've been pretty good with holding the Democratic (laughs) politicians accountable. I mean, it it seems that there's even like kind of the whisper of a scandal with Democrats nowadays. Everyone's quick to not only get them to apologize, but try to get them to resign from office. Well, yeah. yeah, Well, we've talked about this before that Democrats – traditionally and at least for the past couple years we are held to a higher standard and maybe it's because you know that whole we go high or the lower the that trump goes we have to be higher and morally and ethically and all that which is kind of funny because 17 years ago 18 years ago Honestly, um, with the Clintons, we were the bad guys and we were the morally, <laughs> you know, debased. I remember my father sitting at, at Thanksgiving saying, you're a Democrat. You must be a scumbag. You probably, you know, just, inv- you know, love cheating and, and drugs and ma- the marijuana because you're a Democrat. And I'm thinking now, like, wait a second. That sounds like a Republican presidential platform. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the thing is, I don't know if necessarily Democrats are holding themselves to a higher standard as much as they're holding themselves to a normal standard. I think what we're really seeing here is that Republicans aren't holding their official, their elected officials to any standards at all. It does not matter what you do or what you say as a Republican, so long as, frankly, you hate the right people. There's no nice way to put that, and I can't think of a nice way to put that because the evidence doesn't point towards a nice way to put that. Yeah, that's not a nice thing to say, but I think you're spot on. Go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Republicans have lowered their standards. (laughs) Democrats haven't. Well, there's also – I mean, we talk about identity politics as a negative, but – if you are a member of one of the discrete groups that is often accused of identity politics, yeah, you do you do have a, you have certain sensitivities. And so when I hear that Justin Fairfax has been accused of sexual assault, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. And I don't want to sit in a room with him and I don't want to sit under a big tent with him. You know, we I, I can I'm I can tolerate, I can accept a lot in the way of personal quirk and, you know, different types of people, but I will hold you to account for your behavior. And if you are the type of person who behaves the way Justin Fairfax is alleged to have behaved, I don't want to be part of it. Right. But the key word is alleged. Yeah. It is, it is alleged. I mean, Innocent I have no reason until to proven guilty. But at the same time, I have, there is no reason I can see to disbelieve the people who have come forward. 
So I, you know, I want to hear all sides of the story. So far, Justin Fairfax is not actually talking. What I want is to treat him. I expect of him the same thing I expected with Brett Kavanaugh. I want an investigation and I want to find out more from there. Right. And then do you want Matt Damon to uh, fillet him in public? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, mean, I mean, I think that that should, that should just happen to everybody, though. But not in blackface. No. Not no. In blackface. No. <laughs> but, I th- but I think there's some, there is something to be said about that is there does need to be an investigation. I also don't want, whether you're Republican or you're Democrat, I don't want us to follow this trend of the past few years of accusation followed by resignation. I, I don't want to do that. And, and whether you're Republican or Democrat, I also, you know, and, and I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy. I'm not one of those people. And yet all of this coming out in the same week, all of it is, is all kind of creepy to me. And so rather than jump the gun and just automatically shut them all down and expect them all to resign, which very well may be the thing that winds up happening. But rather than just jump to that, I'd like to get some investigation going and actually get to the bottom of it rather than just treat it as we did, say, Al Franken or others and just go, oh, nope, nope, the accusation's enough. Get them out of here. Well, at this point, we have in in reference to uh, to Governor Northam and Attorney General Herring, uh, we have – well, we have – we had admissions from both. I don't yeah. know where Governor Northam is now. <laughs> yeah. The once in future admission, the, yeah, we, <laughs> the we, admission we to would be king. Yeah, yeah we, we, we can now retire. You put the cart before the horse and replace it with you put the admission before the denial. Um, <laughs> but – I do think the reaction to Northam and Herring shows how important a good apology can be. Uh, Attorney General Herring's apology was empathetic, it was remorseful, it was truly sincere, and it showed a willingness to learn and to understand. Ralph Northam's initial admission and apology just sounded like, how on earth can I make this go away in less than 30 seconds? And his behavior since then has been utterly bizarre. He couldn't call slavery slavery yesterday. Visit his closest advisors apparently are telling him that the one of the ways for him to start learning about you know one of the ways to educate himself is to is to watch Birth of a Nation. I kid you not. That's oh my gosh, you're kidding me. Yes, the Virginia Twittersphere is already saying North Governor Northam, you have to fire those people. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Birth of a Nation, as in D. W. Griffith, or the most recent Birth of a Nation? Um, no, we think it's D. W. Griffith. Laughing out of like no no I am laughing that's terrible but but shouldn't we give them the benefit of the doubt and think that maybe it's the more modern one (laughs) if we're doing benefits of doubts yes I guess so (laughs) I guess so how old are Northam's advisors (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and then they should watch an Al Jolson uh, uh, talking sure (laughs) sure no watch the watch the Ted Dance and Friars Club roast of Whoopi Goldberg oh Uh, no, I was I actually was digging through my memory banks as you know, in all this conversation about blackface. I'm like, I've known that blackface was bad for a long time. Why do I know this? And I remembered it was an episode of Gimme a Break. Remember that sitcom with Nell Carter? Yeah, of course. And I actually found the episode where someone dressed in blackface and Nell Carter, you know, took everyone in the room to task for it. I posted it on my Facebook today. But that was 1984, the same year Ralph Northam was wearing blackface. NBC was using a mainstream sitcom as a platform to talk about 
how it's wrong and how it hurts people. So, you know, it's almost like there were two worlds existing in, in simultaneously. Uh, let me respond to that because uh, there's another side of that coin, Rebecca. 1984, same year, same network, NBC. I happened to work on a little show called Saturday Night Live. And Billy Crystal, who is in the cast, repeatedly wore blackface to impersonate Sammy Davis Jr., to impersonate Muhammad Ali, oh, and to do right. his character of uh, an old-time yeah, Negro League it, baseball yeah, player. You dig now, it, I now, know that you would, yeah. Now, I know people will say there's a difference. He's a professional entertainer on a network television show doing an impression or trying to do a character. And yes, there is a difference. What I would say is if somebody like Ralph Northam saw that, you know, people do dumb things when they see things in the media. They shouldn't, but they do it. Sometimes they do dangerous dumb things and they hurt themselves. In this case, it may have been, and of course we don't know this, but it may have been Northam saw things like that or saw that and thought, well, me dressing up as Michael Jackson for a party, that's kind of the same thing. I'm right. not I am not saying it is. I'm not saying no, what no, he I did know is what okay. You're but, I'm saying that people do stupid things. Sure. And, and what Northam said about dressing up as Michael Jackson, what, what Herring said about dressing up as Curtis Blow, that's that that is that is a discreet and and particular phenomenon. But the photograph in the yearbook was not yeah. that. It was That's horrific. That yeah, absolutely that was, is that horrific. That was blackface paired with a KKK person, and that totally, you know, and totally, that's, that's like a hundred times worse. Different thing, but yes, what you're saying about Billy Crystal in, in those years is—I I had forgotten all of that. My God, can you imagine? Now, well, you don't have to—you don't have to go back that far. Daryl Hammond used to do it uh, to be Jesse Jackson just a few years ago. Fred Armisen, right. Fred Armisen was put in black makeup to be Obama when they didn't have any black actors on the show. Robert Downey Jr. did an entire movie in blackface, Tropic Thunder. And the joke was he was a white actor playing a black character in blackface, and nobody understood why. But this was one of the problems with um, with Saturday Night Live a few years ago. And that's one reason now they, they have several really good black actors in the cast was because people started going, why are Daryl Hammond and Fred Armisen playing the black yeah. roles? They just need to get a more diverse cast. And now they and now they do have that, right? So we don't even have to go back to the Billy Crystal thing. You can go back just a few years ago. And I, I think one of the things that, that needs to be said about the the all this people being found dressing up in blackface years ago, um, I'm in no way excusing it. I'm the same way. I always thought it was bad. And, you know, I mean... There wasn't a time in my life where it was okay, right? However, I will say, I used to be in the Medieval Times show when I was starting out. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing with you, Lord. I oh, yeah. I, am. <laughs> I was a struggling actor once. I dressed as a mouse in a fairy tale. I, I, oh, yeah. I know this game. <laughs> no, I mean, I did, I did singing telegrams. I dressed up as characters for grand openings of things. I did kids' parties as a... Power Ranger. I've done all that stuff. But when I was in, I was in the medieval time show for a couple of years and there was a knight in that uh, show with me who was a white guy. And yet he looked like Snoop Dogg. Like he actually looks like Snoop Dogg. And for the two Halloweens that I was there, 
he would put on black makeup and go out as Snoop Dogg. And he won. He won the costume contest when we went out. Like, because he looked so much like Snoop Dogg, but was a white guy. And then he put on black makeup. I found that photo yesterday to show my wife. Oh my God. Because he still, well, he has it on Facebook. He has it on Facebook just in his photo somewhere. He's not ashamed of it. He doesn't have it, right? And when people have said to him, how did you get away with that? He said, it's clear that my intent, my intent isn't mocking anyone. I just happen to look like Snoop Dogg. And that's how he got away with it. And I, so I think when it comes to, like Kevin, you said, some people will say Saturday Night Live is different. I'll say it's it's different when Billy Crystal did it back then. Because he wasn't doing it to to mock black people. He was doing it to impersonate celebrities, right? But there was no, there was nothing mocking a race by doing that. A lot of these, when you see these old photos of people dressed up in blackface, that's what it is. They're they're mocking, right? It, yeah. It's 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 supposed to be it's like minstrel show stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Show stuff, which, even you know, even and, and if you look at if you look at the history of political cartoons, it uses that exact same Im- imagery yep. to diminish and demean people of other races. Absolutely, so it's, it's all part and parcel. Yeah. No. And just just a, a factual thing, I'm getting this from BuzzFeed. Northam has also been urged by his advisors to watch parts of D.W. Griffith's 1915 film, The Birth of a Nation. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> I, take, I take back the, uh, yeah. the benefit of the doubt that I gave them. We are all facepalming for everybody listening. We, like, everyone has a hand on their forehead right now. That's like trying to tell a guy if he wants to understand sexual assault, he should watch Revenge of the Nerds, which... Oh, dear God. <laughs> Which actually does have a horrific sexual assault in it, if you watch the whole that. movie. The, movie the, ner- the nerds are the villains. They are the goddamn they are villains. So bad. I oh, watched. Yeah. Well, and, and- that was on TV recently, and I was watching it like in a rerun on television, and I'm sitting there going, "This is terrible." It plays sexual assault for laughs. The nerds are the villains. They're the villains. Yeah. yeah. They're the villains. Well, and like I, I saw. Uh, um, uh, something today that was like Jake Ryan ruined us all for forever. I'm like Jake Ryan gave away his drunk girlfriend to another guy and said, "Do what you want." Yeah. That's not he good. Said, he he said she's wasted. Have fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then told it told her that. Oh my god, he lied. It was off. Like, it, yeah. There was some bad stuff yeah. in the eighties. So so with that yeah. being said, I want to say this about the blackface conversation. In so many ways, I'm uncomfortable having it because I'm a white guy. And the the thing, so when I say things, I think about when I say the problem is intent as opposed to mockery or whatever, you know, that's, that's coming from, that's coming from me. So take it with a grain of salt. I don't, I don't know. I was listening to um, one of the guests, I forgot his name, that was on Bill Maher last week. And, you know, what he said was, you know, I don't think. As much as everyone talks about the Republicans versus the Democrats, he says, whether you're Republican or Democrat, I don't think any black Americans are surprised to find out that even their own champions have racist problems or racist pasts. You know, even even the people that are that say they represent black voters and they're trying to be there for them. A lot of them have ignorant racism in their past. I, I Some of it probably comes from privilege. 
And by that, I don't mean how we always talk about white privilege. I mean, but, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think if you're a pretty well-off white guy living in the suburbs and all that, a lot of times this is where this insensitivity comes, insensitivity comes from. People who don't think they're racist, who then do something ignorant and stupid like this and then go, I'm not racist. You know, I was just playing around. It's not, it's not good, but I think that that's where it comes from. I think people have often done that. How many times have we seen, we saw it every Halloween, some famous singer or somebody dresses up in some kind of insensitive or racist costume and then goes, what? Come on, man. I'm as liberal as they come. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Rob Lowe just did it on Twitter. Yes. When, uh, when Trump did, said that stupid thing about see you on the trail, Pocahontas or whatever racist crap was coming out of his thumbs and Rob Lowe was like ha 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 commander in chief ha 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 I'm not racist what do you mean I'm racist okay I'm deleting my tweet <laughs> that was I mean I'm paraphrasing but that's what I mean I, I mean a lot of these whether it's Democrats or Republicans no matter who it is it's there's something about this kind of just spoiled ignorance where people do these stupid things and don't stop later and go oh yeah that was a shitty thing to say that was dumb and and like I said it's every year there's some pop star that shows up in the Halloween photos dressed up in something, you know, insulting and then going, ah, come on, it's Halloween. I was just kidding. So then it comes back to the question of does doing something stupid rise to the level of a removal from office offense? And obviously there are different stupid acts. What, you know, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax is alleged to have done is much, much different than what Ralph Northam is alleged to have done. So we as a as a society are going to have to figure out what is that line because a lot of people did stupid things in their pasts and my concern is is that now these are being weaponized. We haven't really talked much about Rep. Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar, thank you, uh, who got in trouble uh, today and over the weekend for some tweets that were um, interpreted to be anti-Semitic. This is a new congressperson from Minnesota and. My understanding is is that uh, she made some comments. I know one of her tweets, she referenced the fact that she believes that the the Republican caucus is bought and sold by the Israeli you know, lobby. The, the, the American, yeah. yeah, the American Israeli Political Action Committee, APAC, for short, for those of us in Washington. And in response to someone's defense of that, uh, she tweeted back, it's all about the Benjamins. and people on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, uh, many of them Jewish, took offense to that. They felt that she was stereotyping the Jewish stereotype of being all about money. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's what she meant, but then again, I've already been wrong in this podcast, so I'm not going <laughs> to interpret, Wait, what? interpret okay. what, she, what was in her what was in I her missed mind. that memo. <laughs> no, about the, the birth of a nation thing. He oh, gave oh, that's right. Yeah. Where, he, where oh, it was that's not right. true. Ralph that, that, staff, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, there are people who, you know, she's she's come out and apologized, and, and DJ pointed out that it was actually a very eloquent apology. The, the rest of the caucus has kind of rallied around the apology and saying, no, we, we're, we're not going to say this sort of stuff about uh, Jewish people writ large or about Israel. Um, but, the, you know, you, if you look at the, the Twitter commentary, people are pointing out that it is possible to question Israeli policy. It is possible to question the motives of APIC. Um, and have that be different than being truly anti-Semitic, that, that the Jewish faith and the nation of Israel are not 
exactly the same thing. And that's really all I'm comfortable saying about this, because there's no way to talk about Israel without getting in okay, trouble. But does anybody really believe that she meant to be anti-Semitic in her comments? Well, you know what? I don't know. It, it's really impossible to say. And the reason people are jumping to say she was being anti-Semitic, I think, at least in part, is because she is a Muslim woman. She is the first woman to wear hijab on the floor of exactly. the House of Representatives. Yes. So, they, I mean, there, there are assumptions being made about her motives that are probably unfairly attributed. And it's all just a big old mess. That's what I mean. It's a lot These of, things are yeah, becoming it's a, weaponized. It's a lot of, Right. It's a, it's a big old mess. And, you know, she needs to get the hell off Twitter because this is the second time in two weeks that people have been, you know, questioning her 280 characters and saying, what's this lady doing? And so she needs to learn to, to, to not tweet. <laughs> um, but, you know, if that's the only thing she needs to learn, then we're in pretty, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I think the other thing to remember is that she is, she is uh, Somali-American. And so the... You know, the various, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, the various trials by fire that Arab American politicians have generally gone through in these sorts of discussions, you know, Somali Americans have not. Uh, her apology, when I read the apology, and it, it, it certainly seems sincere, it seems strong to me, it's, it seems someone said, oh, wait, I did not realize, I did not realize how, how painful my words were. I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to focus on this. As for those who want to try to find, do want to try to find out where uh, anti-Semitism ends and legitimate criticism of Israel begins, it's just very simple. Find out what the Israeli opposition leaders are saying, and just try to <laughs> hew to that. Because if there's one thing that I, I mean, I've been observing Israeli politics from afar from about twenty for about twenty twenty five years, thirty years now, ever since I. My uh, sophomore college roommate did uh, his uh, did his uh, dissertation on the subject, uh, or his, his thesis on the subject. Excuse me. Uh, I was gonna say, why was your sophomore? Why was a, a second year college student yeah, doing, no, no. doing a dissertation? No, was, what the hell kind of college did no, you go I was, to? Because I was drinking. No, I was, I was a sophomore. He was a senior. He was doing his undergraduate thesis, and he did it on Israeli domestic okay. politics. And. <laughs> By the, by, by, by the time I – and he asked me to proofread the thesis for him. By the time I was done with it, I looked at him and I said – and, you know, Kevin, your call as to whether this stays in or gets dropped. I said, now I understand it. Uh, now I understand it, Dave. There is not one Jewish conspiracy. There are six Jewish conspiracies, and they're all focused on stopping the others from taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Like Israeli politics is Byzantine. It's kaleidoscopic. It's a complete shatter. And if you say, if you think to yourself, I really don't like what the Israeli government did today, I guarantee you there are at least six Israeli politicians, Jewish Israeli politicians, because Arabs also vote in Israel, but there are at least six Jewish Israeli members of the Knesset, their parliament, who would agree with you if they knew who you were and vice versa. <laughs> who says they don't know who I am? I have. A, they may I know have who a we huge are. Instagram. Did you read the Ronan Farrow piece in I the New say, Yorker about. I did say if. You know how they would know? They would know if they went to Instagram and looked for the MPU dot fan dot club. So <laughs> see that. <laughs> was, was that a ham hocked little bumper that I just with a did picture that? of me and Kirsten Cinema who spoke at an APEC conference in Arizona this week? It's all coming back. It's all about me and Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> 
the more perfect union podcast now heard on itunes and blog talk radio it's better than staying at home and listening to michael bolton (laughs) (laughs) mostly better Anyways, there's other stuff in the news we should probably touch on, including the 2020 presidential election. The primaries are still a year away, give or take a week or two. Um, But we have several more people who are officially in the ring. What do you guys think? Were you impressed by Amy Klobuchar? Were you impressed by Elizabeth Warren? No. Uh, Were you impressed by anybody? (laughs) All right, I, all right, I want to go on record as saying I hate this two announcement announcement thing. You mean when they announce when they announce that they're doing yeah, the exploratory, yes, exploratory committee? committee, and then like a, a minute later announce, oh yeah, I'm actually running. Let's stop that. One announcement. There's a reason for that, you know. Let's get you must know the reason about this. because no, I know it's all it's all about politics. fundraising and, and yes. seeing what you can what you could raise, but you just stop it. Just d- don't don't don't. <laughs> I'm not even going to pay attention for a year. And the baby shower. It's you know you don't need to. Do I'm not going to pay attention. I'm not going to pay attention for a year. I already don't give a shit. I will tell you this. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, but you're in Canada. I can't bring myself to give a shit, and mostly because it just reminds me of the Republican clown car in 2016 and how all of that there were just how there were 80 there were approximately 83 of them on stage at one point and this is how i feel now and this is the bet one of the best things about living in canada is we had our election just a year and a half ago and everyone was critical of it because it was the longest campaign uh in history that we had had up here how long was it a hundred days and that was it. Usually here, it's a 30-day announcement and then campaign period until we vote. And okay. Well, you know whose fault all this is? It's Aaron Burr's uh, don't fault. Ca- First guy don't- to openly campaign in America. We can blame this on him, too. I, 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 I should note that campaign was actually three and a half years ago. You've got another one coming in about six months. Has it been three and a half yeah, years? Have to live through a hundred days of it. I can. That's, that has it been awesome. three and a half years? See, this is how this is how fucking crazy American politics is, and everything. Because I'm so focused on all this shit going on south of the border that I forgot what happened up here. I was thinking that was like just the other day. <laughs> it was Tuesday. Is that show Lost still on? Is Lost yeah, still on the it, air? It, and it's awesome. <laughs> uh, we're not going to tell you what happens in the fifth season. Ignore the second one. Now, Ward, I'm going to say this. One, tons of respect, but I have to disagree. 2016 was awesome. Uh, if I had it my way, the only thing that was missing from that shit show of a GOP election was Russell Crowe running around in a gladiator costume screaming, are you not entertained? And having them all mowed down. It was awesome. If I could have had four or five more of those clowns up on stage weeding each other off and just that was amazing. And that was democracy in action because we could actually see them every Every debate changing and figuring out tactics. Today I'm going to be a strong leader today. And people were asking me all of a sudden, what do you think about politics? And should I get involved? And how much do you hate this, um, asshole Kasich? I hate him a lot. It was wonderful. 
Yeah, but the other people who got involved were like Vladimir fucking Putin. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't. Nobody needed that. That entire clown show was why I left the Republican Party in 2016. <laughs> See, something good exactly. came of that clown show. But but you wouldn't have left if Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush had gotten the nomination. It wouldn't have been a clown show if one of them had gotten the nomination. <laughs> I I have an idea on how to make this clown car actually entertaining. Uh, you guys, of course, remember that what they used to call the two-tier debate, where there were 10 people in the first debate and then like eight or 10 people in the second debate, they would call the second debate the kiddies table. Yeah. I think that if the Democrats get to that point, they should actually set up the stage like a Thanksgiving dinner and have an adult's table and a kiddies table. <laughs> and the discussion should go back and forth between the two. I think the, the you know, the... The setting of that, the drama of that would be so cool. And they should have like, you know, turkey and mashed potato and cranberry sauce. What? While that is interesting and that, that is cool, <laughs> one other potential option, if they actually get, you know, beyond 15 and 20 into like 30 or 40, whatever it is, <laughs> they could set it up like an NCAA tournament bracket and have people debate oh, yes. each other one-on-one. Oh, and pick that's winner. awesome. I love that. I like, I like that. that a lot. I do like that. And then, and we could like have Yahoo Sports get involved. Oh yeah. You know, we could we could all be illegally betting on That's it. Right. It'd be great. That's right. Obama could do his bracket That's right. on TV the way he used to do. I would see. I would pay to see Trump do his bracket. No. Could you see Trump no. do yes. it? Oh, I would. Oh, that would be so awesome to say. No, he's a loser. He's he's not very good. And this one's small hands, so he's not going to be very good. And this one, except when he gets to Elizabeth Warren, when he goes, she's strong. She's going to be oh, she's going to be good because he's that's the only right. one he wants to run against. Oh, exactly. He awesome. desperately wants to run against Warren. Oh, I know he because desperately she, wants to because her campaign is already in trouble. I think it should be settled with paintball. I think that the way to paintball. paintball if it's paintball, then Kirsten Gillibrand wins. Good. Her mom used to hunt their Thanksgiving turkey out their back door. It should be settled in a Michael Jackson beat it style knife fight where we tie one hand together. You, no, 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 no. We aren't doing Michael Jackson style anything. Remember <laughs> Ralph Northam Ruiz? It's a, it's a ga- Game of Thrones melee. Oh, Red Wedding. <laughs> Actually, I'm, you know what? These are Democrats. It should just basically be Jeopardy. <laughs> they, you know, they should have to be answering esoteric questions about musical theater and Shakespeare. Well, okay. speak, speaking and and whoever whoever gets nominated, <laughs> you capitulated. Yeah, whoever sure. gets nominated, they they're going to have to accept the fact that, um, sadly, Donald Trump is actually going to get people who did not vote for him in 2016 who will vote for him in 2020, like that idiot Eric Erickson. Oh my gosh! How did that happen? Uh, he's a moron. Yeah, this is this is me venting about just the utter tribalism of a movement that I that I called home for some twenty five to thirty years. Uh, the fact that a, somebody like Erickson, who left Red State because it was too Trumpist, who then formed his own uh, website uh, and his own editorial group in an attempt to combat it, the, the, he called it the resurgent, has now decided. Well, you know what? You know, for for a few judges, uh, for a few judges and owning the libs. Oh yeah, I'll support Donald Trump for re-election. Just the utter tribalism of this is really sickening. And the the entire hold on a second, you know, hold on. You said tribal. That's Elizabeth Warren. That's not me. You think? <laughs> <laughs> nice, smooth. Um, 
<laughs> you know, I forget the name of the of the philosopher who said ev- you said every every cause starts as a movement, becomes a business, and degenerates into a racket. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, the conservative movement is the conservative racket. Uh, and and I, as someone who still calls himself a conservative with the noun, uh, just I just have to accept the fact that um, the the rest of the rest of them are all fucking fools. Sorry. Kevin. <laughs> Now, I have a question for you guys about an, another potential presidential candidate, Howard Schultz. And my question is this. How did this guy get a CNN presidential town hall? All he is is a rich man who said, I think I may run for president. He has no party. Reminds me a lot of me. He's got the- <laughs> <laughs> Two rich guys. One has an, a special coming out and the other one wants to run for president. Yes. Now, but I, I don't understand why he merits a one-hour live town because hall. Because he's got the best publicist yeah. in the field. Because he's got a gazillion dollars to hire publicists. And because he's gotten all this buzz by saying by threatening to run for president. Meanwhile, Steve Schmidt is storming off podcasts going, no, I'm not going to talk about his platform. What do you want, a platform from a candidate? Come on, that's absurd. But, that, but that, that's and, how. It's, it's because of Steve Schmidt. Because Steve Schmidt has made a name for himself as, as a never-Trump conservative. As a former Republican who made a big deal about about his opposition to Trump on MSNBC, so everybody knows who Steve Schmidt is. So as soon as as Schultz threw a bunch of money at him, that was Schultz's entree. Now, frankly, this is you know Schultz's Schultz is rising to his own incompetence here, and I don't think anybody who has actually watched him really believes that he can be an actually decent candidate. I honestly think what he's doing is he's he's being an inoculant for Michael Bloomberg, so that when Bloomberg gets in the race, everybody can go. Oh, he's the he's the billionaire who knows what the fuck he's doing. I did it again, Kevin. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he's the one who was mayor of New York for 12 years. He's the one we should actually listen to, not this clown over here. Don't ever underestimate the power of stupid people. Well, and don't ever underestimate the the admiration people have for rich people. In America, maybe in Canada, I don't know, we equate wealth with virtue. Yeah. We assume that if you have made a lot of money, it's because there is something really awesome about you. And that's not actually true. Well, and and again, four years ago, everybody joked about Trump. It was a, it was a joke. I mean, it was it was literally a running gag. He was the one that everyone laughed about. And what wound up happening? He got all kinds of free press because of it. It, you know, made him even more popular the more he was mocked. And stupid people elected him. And I'm sorry, but they did. And, and I'm actually kind of tired of like sugarcoating this. And it's it's stupid people and Vladimir Putin. Yes. But but that's what I mean. The the power of people to be duped by a, a billionaire is very strong. It it is very strong. So yeah, he may say some stupid things right now, give him six months, and I bet you People will be doing the same thing. They'll be, yeah, you know what? I mean, he's looking out for the guy like me. You know, he's a, <laughs> he built his way up with nothing but beans. You know, he's he, a, he knows that the system is broken and he's going to fix it. Yeah, you know. Well, but the question is, does Howard Schultz actually want to be president, or does he just want everybody to pander to him on Donald CNN Trump didn't want to be president, but he month. won. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Howard Schultz hasn't declared yet. That was Trump's big mistake. He actually ran for president. Yeah, but that—but that's just it. Donald Trump, I don't think for a second, really wanted to win. 
Oh, no, I don't think he wanted to be president. He wanted to build an ugly hotel in Moscow. That was all he was after. And everyone around him wanted to grab some Ukrainian, you know, ill-gotten gains in the process. It's it's not complicated. That's why this whole inaugural committee thing is going on. They, that The amount of money the inaugural committee took in and the way that it was, you know, handed out to everyone who had ever done anything for the campaign, those people thought they were going to get caught. They were expecting that all of this was going to implode because it was a big, giant mistake. So they were all going to take as much money at the very front of the process as they possibly could. Probably the only one who didn't get an illegal payout is Stephen Miller because that stupid guy actually thinks that he's going to create a white Aryan nation. Well, it's the only way he gets laid. (laughs) Even then he doesn't get laid, DJ. He's investing in fembots. Never underestimate the power of money and power when it comes to guys getting laid. Okay, so I want to turn the conversation away from narcissistic billionaires for a second so we can talk about Jeff Bezos. I'm not a narcissist. I'm not a narcissist. I am a billionaire, however I have you know, and uh, I don't appreciate you calling me a narcissist. I believe that's a tribe in uh, Africa somewhere. I read about it, or it was told to me. I don't like to read. Go on. So what's the latest in this Bezos saga? Have, have his dick pics come out yet? What's going I on? I can't wait. No. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, no, I don't need to see Jeff Bezos' dick. <laughs> so right now, the, the, the big issue is who leaked the pictures. And the running theory is it was his girlfriend's brother. Yeah. And, yeah. Right, right, which is fascinating. It blows my mind that, you know, this guy was like, you know, could do that to his own sister. Like, totally explode, you know, her life like that. Right. And her ex-husband works with Ari Emanuel, who used to be Trump's agent, who's also brother to Rom. And, like, Emanuel and her ex-husband had some deal with Saudi. I mean, it is so weirdly incestuous and creepy, all of this. Here's a great idea. Let's blackmail the richest man in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he cares. He's like, yeah, you can look at my dick. I don't care. <laughs> He's going to end up owning AMI. Do you people understand? He is going to sue them. And whether or not it was criminal what they did or not, and I know that there have been people on TV, experts who've gone both ways on this, but in a civil lawsuit, he will win. He will own AMI in a couple of years. That doesn't bother me, actually. I think David Pecker, who is a dick pic, yes. needs to just it, be done. Yes, with it'll all be this. one of the best things and for journalists. And he's going to jail to because this is totally violating his agreement with SDNY. Which is true. There are there are, on, there are only two people who did not play this through and recognize how how it would end. One is the president of the United States, and two is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, because they both they both are so expecting people to knuckle under, and Jeff Bezos exactly. doesn't give a shit. But you know, and and I love that they're saying no. This is journalism. No, journalism is when you alert to somebody that hey, we're about to publish damaging information about you. There are no conditions attached. Yeah. To it. If Ronan Farrow calls you and says, "Hey, Les Moonves, I happen to know you've raped everybody who's ever worked for you. I'm publishing it." That that's the end of that conversation. He's there's no quid pro quo. It's but I won't. If you do X, that's not what happens in legitimate journalism. And AMI trying to pretend it is, is fake news. It's one of those things that brought down Gawker. Well, I was just about to say Gawker. Oh, yeah. The thing about Gawker, though, we actually had to see Hulk Hogan's penis Mm -hmm. for Gawker to go away. 
And it seems now yes. we're going to have to Greg, see. Greg, you're supposed to close your eyes when that happens. Well, all I'm saying is that for now that every time we see one of these terrible media outlets that are just trash, we're going to have to see some. Uh, one thing I can promise you guys is none of you will ever see my penis. Oh, yeah. The macho man's going to see everybody's penis. <laughs> Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Triple X version of the More Perfect Union <laughs> podcast. I'm going to go slap the Bezos. <laughs> That's my Please new term. Please follow us on Twitter oh at God. hashtag MPU podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com More Perfect Union podcast. And look for our dick pics on our Instagram page, mpu.fan.club. And if you like to talk politics and would like to debate with us between shows, Join us in our Facebook group, Open Fire Politics. We're all there, and we'd love to see you there, too. And I guarantee you, Ward Anderson will debate with you there. He will not be shy. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Ward will take you down. As it turns out, I just agreed with everybody tonight. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Because we're all far-right socialist liberals. Exactly. Oh, okay. Even DJ. By the way, um, I wanted to say, uh, I forgot to say, uh, February 18th, oh no, February 19th through March 3rd, I will be appearing for two weeks at the Joker's Wild Comedy Club uh, on Paradise Island in the Bahamas at the Atlantis Casino and Resort. So if you're traveling. So all our listeners in the Bahamas, please check out Ward Anderson. What dates? Uh, February 19th through March 3rd. Great, and thank you for doing the show with us. Absolutely, and then, of course, uh, March 15th and 16th, I'll be at the Hard Rock Roxino in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, and Greg, where will you be appearing next? I'm spending my weekend writing uh, fan fiction about the uh, primaries. Of, it's it's going to be a rewriting of uh, Lord of the Flies, but with the Democrats. <laughs> Whoever has the conch at the end gets the nomination. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, they're, they're all going to be holding the stick and saying, like, eh. but uh, it's not going to end well for anybody. It's not going Can to I just end. point out that he said the stick, not this dick? <laughs> no, no, no. It was the stick. <laughs> Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!